Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Britton. We also take a look at films that should be franchises? I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> hey, brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Tyler is out of town. He is adventuring. Uh, it's just up to Alex and me this week. Uh, we're not continuing the Mummy franchise without Tyler. We couldn't possibly. Um, we said, do you want us to take Scorpion <laughs> King? And he said, no, it's mine. He's my king. And then he set me back down, dusted me off and said, I'm sorry. Look, he went on a whole rant trying to pitch us on doing all of the rocks movies. <laughs> so like, there's a logic That's to true. what you're saying. I know you're joking, but it's actually like, well, we could, not... if we did this without him, then he'd be like, all right, we're watching the game plan. Yeah. We 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 can't we can't do this to ourselves. I would probably watch the game plan. I I'm gonna find not. out who's in the game plan. I am the good, thank you plan. very much. <laughs> you don't want to see Kira Sedgwick? Okay, Paige Turco from the Spider uh, Spider the uh, Turtle movies is in it. Why can't we just watch the Turtle movies? All right, I've been defeated. <laughs> <laughs> well met, my friend. This battle of wits is over. <laughs> No, but uh, Tyler's great, and we wish him all the best. <laughs> and um, we to 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 make this, I, I we we might have made. I know we made the right call for us, but I, I I don't know how much. I think Tyler probably would appreciate this movie in some ways. But we chose a movie that Ty, uh, Alex and I care very much about. It's very much a, a nostalgia hit for us both. More it's so, also than the greatest movie ever made. It's also the greatest movie ever made. Take that, Vertigo. <laughs> and uh it's a movie that uh we were both very happy to revisit and what movie is that alex it is small soldiers from 1998 directed by joe dante uh i i don't i don't mean to start with the negative energy this early it has a 49 percent critic score ah. and a 45 percent audience score <laughs> all right all right <laughs> Nah, what was I, that quantum mania score again <laughs> yeah i i can understand at the time maybe people were like why are you trying to make mean toy story it's not mean toy story it's just less political stars starship troopers <laughs> I, I i had very much the vibes of starship troopers while i was watching this yeah. and i almost wonder since was, was starship troopers 98 as well uh it was it was around that time certainly maybe 97 it it does make me wonder if a lot of the humor was lost on people in a very similar way if they saw this as just oh they're just trying to sell a bunch of toys because this did have actually a pretty big like toy campaign i I, they had like a video game too i owned several of those toys as well yeah it was funny how much how clear the gorgons were to me because i was like oh yeah i totally owned maybe all of them (laughs) The Gorgons very much have, like, Britain energy. Like, that seems like something that you would just, like, immediately latch on to. Oh, man. Like, as a kid especially. Loved yeah. him. Punch It was my guy. Yeah. <laughs> I never liked that he had the kind of Peter Lorre voice. He's like, that's Gorgon. Right. Because he's, like, a big, uh, like, rhino-looking thing. Yeah. And he has this, like, charge attack that he does. It's great. Um, Yeah, I this is... This movie is is from a time, though, I don't know how, I genuinely don't know if this is something we could still do today, or it still happens today, but, like, this is from a time when you would just launch a toy line. 
and it was a franchise and you were but the idea was that the the toys would launch the movie and the tv but like that was the era that i certainly grew up in where it's like this is the new wave of toys right and now it's uh, i don't know games like video games i guess and tv shows and stuff but like i know there are toys but it feels like we we don't have toy franchises in the same way that we used to. I may just be completely uh, uh, uninformed. Tyler would probably have more more knowledge of this with a child. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just some since kids are just like so so much of their lives now just are centered around screens and technology. Mm-hmm. I feel like just toys are becoming less and less prevalent. I guess you know we're always on our screens now. Um, I mean, we are. <laughs> we're true. We're literally right now. Both of us. Yeah, it's a problem. Britain, how about before we continue? How about you tell people what the heck Small Soldiers is? Boy, I would love to. And fortunately, Google's got this long synopsis. Um, <laughs> this is one of the synopses that gives you the actor name as well. But we're going to talk enough about the cast because they're great. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to uh, omit that. And it goes like this. Oh, I did it wrong. The synopsis reads thus. When teenager Alan buys a set of Commando Elite action figures, he's unaware that they have been programmed with military technology. The toys, including leader Chip, spring to life and start taking their directives seriously, beginning by, quote, killing their enemies, the toy Gorgonites. But Archer and the Gorgonites won't go down without a fight, false. (laughs) Alan gets caught in the middle of the war, as does his neighbor and crush, Christy. So when they... By referring to uh, leader Chip, I feel like that makes the character seem a little more plucky and non-threatening than he is. <laughs> he is not. He is voiced by Tommy Lee Jones, and he is scary. <laughs> not nightmare-inducing, but certainly a, a, a force and a presence. There's and a, I love Tommy Lee Jones. There's a lot of dialogue in this movie that is just glued to my brain. Just, Chip yeah. Hazard reporting for duty. It's very good. Nick Nitro's battery has run out. <laughs> <laughs> it's also fascinating to me because just comparing it to Tommy Lee Jones's other genre work from around this yeah. time, I guess maybe uh, Men in Black just kind of sobered him up to these kinds of roles. Because like, sure. I always get worried that he's going to do like a Batman Forever thing where he's like, oh, it's a yeah, goofy yeah. cartoon. I don't have to take any of this seriously. And also yeah. I'm trying oh, I'm to playing com- Clay Shaw in JFK. I better really ham it up. <laughs> and also I'm trying to compete with my co-stars because they're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well he is such a brilliant actor but that that is not his strong suit yeah the the going crazy right. thing um but like when he is good he is so good yeah um like he is so good in a country for old men and he is so good in lincoln um and i think he's good in this and i think because he plays it straight essentially that makes it easier to take chip as a credible threat in this world yeah um and a lot of the dialogue, and a, there are so many quips in this movie that are every obvious joke you could imagine for a movie like this. <laughs> and if the movie didn't work as well as it did, I would be like, seriously, come on. This is not, what are you doing? This was old when you wrote it. Yeah. But no, it's just, it just, I'm totally with it. But the, I mean, the, I don't, of course I don't remember all of them, but there's so many jokes like some assembly required and like, I, I don't know. It's uh, I feel like when uh, the Gwendy dolls are attacking, they say a lot of just like, yeah, I know. I, I could have guessed that joke without seeing the movie. Yeah. I think one <laughs> of them goes, are you dumping me right before she gets thrown against the wall? <laughs> right. And that's Sarah Michelle Geller and Christina Ricci. It's so funny. 
I do want to circle back real quick. Um, I'm yes. not saying that Jim Carrey is a better actor than Tommy Lee Jones. I'm <laughs> saying he was more suited for that material, and I don't know why Tommy sure. Lee Jones was competing with him. <laughs> I mean, how could you? When you're up against a guy like that. I mean, sometimes you just can't sanction somebody else's buffoonery. <laughs> yeah, I need... Need. I would be curious to rewatch Batman Forever um, at some point. It won't be my recommendation for this week, but everyone knows that I like <laughs> that movie. I actually rewatched it recently with some friends. Okay. Because okay. they were curious, but... <laughs> Well, it's good to be supportive of people who are Batman Forever curious. I, I had I had some friends. I'll go on this little tangent real quick. I had some friends. They're not super into, like, serious dark Batman. They, they don't really like the Matt Reeves version or the Christopher Nolan version. So I was like, okay, so let's go a little bit outside the box here. So I presented them with three different options, and we ended up doing a marathon. We did the 60s Batman movie, then Batman Forever, then Mask of the Phantasm. And that okay. was... I think it was the correct kind of escalation of like slowly getting serious. Yeah, that probably is the right order. And and they, <laughs> my friends enjoyed themselves. I'll say that they they oh, liked good. each one for very different reasons, but it was a good time. <laughs> sure. Anyways, we're talking oh, about good. small soldiers. <laughs> well, I think that the 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 thing about this movie that I think really could make or break it is the effects. Yeah, and the effects make it. The effects are phenomenal mm -hmm. they look so good and it is a i would say almost perfect blend of animatronic and a little bit of stop motion but mostly animatronic and uh like puppet work model work and visual effects like digital effects yeah and i think that it all holds up really really well and because they're playing these toys with the you know wonky joints and everything if the movement seems a little weird when they're cgi it totally makes sense and it totally works yeah i what really sold me was when I realized, oh, like, this is why for the longest time, like, trying to recreate a human in CG didn't work. And even yeah. to this day, in many situations, it doesn't work. Right. Because they look plasticky and fake. Right. But toys, just by virtue of being made of plastic, like, it just, it automatically just looks better because the CGI, yeah. just with the way of, you know, this kind of the um, uncanny valley nature of yeah. it i guess but just like the fact that you are making something that's not real mm -hmm. it just <clears throat> makes it easier but also just the way that the effect interacted with the environment yeah is really good there's a great se a segment where um brick bazooka um <laughs> voiced by i want to say george kennedy um <laughs> uh is is uh trying to it's trailing the main character and he's like riding along on his bike and he's like he's like uh, uh, hanging on by a rope and like drinking drag drug behind him being chased by a real dog and he's also trying to like clam climb up the wheel and everything all of that looks fantastic yeah and i think the movie does such a good job of choosing okay in this shot model in this shot animatronic if we like it really feels like they went if we can do this with animatronics we're gonna do it and we'll only go digital when we have to right um and they end up having to a lot but the digital effects look really good and the digital effects are so close to the models. Like it doesn't look like, okay, so here's, here's the, the physical thing. And here's this like weird other version that doesn't look anything like the archer or the chip we saw two minutes ago. That doesn't look like Wesley Snipes in blade two. <laughs> right. Or like I was recently rewatching the eighties clash of the Titans and like 
there are scenes where you'll see like Calibus as an actor with makeup and then him as a stop motion character. And it's like, this is bang on. <laughs> that is not at all the same thing. And I was just so blown away by it. Like I, and, and I actually, the, the uh, people who worked on the visual effects are Stan Winston, who uh, is, he's just, he's does makeup and visual effects and he has worked on movies including but not limited to Aliens, Terminator 2, Jurassic Park. Um, he worked on Iron Man, uh, Galaxy Quest, um, Congo, Predator, Predator 2, uh, The Monster Squad. Like, this is the guy. Or it's like one of the guys. Oh, yeah. He, he is the king of, like, practical effects and prosthetics and, yeah. and like animatronics him, and all that. Yeah, Rick Baker, like, all those guys. And then also Stephen Fangmere. Um, yes, director of Aragon, shout out to Tyler, <laughs> um, who worked with him on a bunch of those. Uh, he also worked on visual effects for like Born, I- Born Identity and Perfect Storm, Saving Private Ryan, Speed 2, Twister, Casper, The Mask, Jurassic Park, Hook. Like, these guys, they really got guys who, who know what they're doing, and the effects feel creative, they feel inventive, they still look really, really good. There might have been a moment or two that was a little wonky, but again, it's kind of like when we were doing the Toy Story movies and we did the first one and said, yeah, you know, when when it, when the animation looks a little weird, they're toys, so it's easier to kind of ignore it. Yeah. But they don't even really look weird that often. Yeah. No, I think it's just Joe Dante's really good at integrating effects. And I mean, obviously, like, he's famous for the Gremlins movies, which rely... I mean, there's no digital effects in those movies because they were made in the 80s. But just like being able to kind of control all of those various elements and not have anything yeah. stick out. I feel like yes. that's, that's just very, very impressive. Um, completely. Yeah. I, when we got to the third act of the movie and everyone's just kind of held up in the house and there's just like an army of toys attacking them. Like it's so much fun. <laughs> it really is. And, and what's amazing too, is that they still knew how, how, like, they're having like at this point, uh, the the it, it's brilliant the way that they div- that the toys make these like ad hoc war machines. They've got like nail guns mounted on a little like toy scooter or something. Yeah. Like it's incredible what what they have built, and that's very creative on the part of the movie makers. And they're launching like flaming tennis balls, and they're shooting nail guns. Yeah. But some of that stuff is a practical effect. So you'll see stuff shoot through the glass in the windows. And you're like, no, they actually like rigged up a gag to do that. Right. And I think not, I'm sure not all of the flaming tennis balls are actually on fire, but there's a part where one lands in the background and there's a little fire and I'm like, that's a fire. Yeah. Like they're doing this like an action movie in the nineties and the eighties. And they're, like you said, they're blending it so beautifully because they really seem to understand like Lord of the Rings where if we can do it physical, let's do it physical, but if it has to go digital. Let's do it. And let's do that with as much love and care. And so you end up just getting this whole perspective. It's just a really incredible achievement. Yeah. I think, if nothing else, I think one of the things that probably helped me kind of watch this over and over again as a child, it is just like the inventive inventiveness of the effects. Like that stuff is just, yeah, I, I, I don't think we can sell that enough. Like it's, it's just really, really neat. Um, but yeah, even just like the small stuff, because a, a lot of it is based on the the toys not really knowing when they need to interact versus not. So there's just like little bits where like Archer is just standing there like still and, you know, it'll just be like a small little subtle twitch or a blink or something. Yeah. And like little touches like that are, are 
a lot of fun. Um, and then you get... You know, it adds so much to the character because it will be like... It's also in the in the beginning of the movie where you're like, ooh, how much is Archer just a toy and how much is he sentient or whatever? Yeah. And he will, he'll like tip his head or, or like you said, or blink or something. And it is this like great character moment. Yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something. Um, I was just going to say, then you have a toy that gets stuck in a... a... <laughs> It gets stuck in the sink, and he turns on the yeah the, um the disposal blanket yeah the garbage disposal yeah yeah I think that was Nick Nitro I think that was Nick Nitro yes. I can't remember yeah yep. yeah the uh the the voice cast is nuts so because the the Gorgon Frank Langella is Archer um. Which is great. I, it's very ones... weird to think of it as, oh, it's the Frank Langella versus Tommy Lee Jones movie. That's <laughs> exactly that just hurts my yeah. head. And the other Gorgonites are shared between Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, and Harry Shearer from Spinal Tap and Best in Show. And uh, Harry Shearer is obviously on The Simpsons. Yeah. But the Commando Elite is Tommy Lee Jones. The rest of them are uh, George Kennedy, um, Academy Award winner from Cool Hand Luke. Uh, Jim Brown, the football player turned actor. Uh, I can't remember the other ones, but also Ernest Borgnine, Academy Award winner, and Mermaid Man. Shout out to Tyler. Um, so there are a few scenes in this movie where one of them will start talking. And I'm like, that's Ernest Borgnine. Bruce Dern. <laughs> Bruce Dern is Link Static. That's it. Yeah. The communications guy. And I was like, what are we doing? This is amazing. <laughs> but I... I really love. Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say it's interesting because normally there's there's sometimes where we watch movies that have like animated characters and we kind of get annoyed by the fact that they chose like a famous person as opposed to just like getting a voice actor. Um, but I feel like in this case, like it feels like these choices are so specific, and like the target audience may not necessarily recognize the voices. You and mm-hmm. I may pick up the voices now. But, like, yeah. as kids, we wouldn't have picked up on that. Um, as opposed to just, like, you know, any sort of, like, just, like, a modern, like, Disney movie where it's, like, oh, I, everyone knows who the voice cast is in this. Yeah, because it's, like, a big part of the marketing is, like, stunt casting, which yeah. there's a little bit of that in here, too. But yeah, the kids are all going to see Kevin Dunn anyway. I mean, this is, like, a very surreal, like, like prelude to Transformers. Sure. It is, it is very much the same premise, <laughs> um, but yeah, instead yeah. of like toys coming to life, it's it's alien robots. But like, <laughs> but like it, it's a kid in like a suburban household um, who's got some strain but with his family. He likes the girl next door and he's mm-hmm. it, he comes across this um, creature or something that that like becomes his best friend. And then he gets involved in this conflict between these two warring parties. It's the same movie. <laughs> and Kevin Dunn is the dad. It's the same movie. Kevin Dunn is a tremendous actor. He is so good. And he was so good on Veep. And he's good in this. I, I just, I like Kevin Dunn a lot. Yeah. The cast of this movie is fun because nobody in this movie is being asked to do anything different for them or, you know, out of their range. Nobody is playing against type. Everyone's doing their thing and they're all good at it. Yes. Kevin Dunn is a stern father. Uh, uh, 
Kirsten Dunst is a sweet, is a, no, she's kind of like an edgy girl next door, but she's like cool and Britain had a crush on her. I would and argue she gives a better Mary Jane performance in this than she does in <laughs> any of the Spider-Man movies. Like, Ty- I'll take it Tyler, if I can, if I can pitch this movie that way, I'd just be curious for your thoughts. Plus Mermaid Man and the director of Aragon. And, and uh, Dennis Leary is there being like, this Dennis whole Leary, thing is, who is stupid and it's great. <laughs> Dennis Leary is playing a smarmy business guy. Jay Moore is playing a slightly less smarmy business idiot. <laughs> um, whatever happened to Jay Moore? I, haven't seen, I, used to, I feel like I saw him all the time growing up. Um, David Cross is like a nerdy, sweet guy. Uh, Gregory Smith is the main character. Phil Hartman is like a... a smarmy next door neighbor (laughs) great yeah so i I wanted to get into kind of the social commentary of the movie because like i said i don't know if a lot of people just missed it just just by virtue of like everyone missed missed it with starship troopers like that's the only reason i'm bringing it up but I, i i just really really like the whole idea of like these toy makers have been bought out by this corporate conglomerate And they're just, like, put under pressure of, like, you need to deliver these war toys in three months, which is just... Yeah. I work in marketing. (laughs) I'm, I'm like, a part of my job is, like, helping to manage, like, timelines and getting things executed. Mm -hmm. Um, Three months for that type of thing is is not possible. And, like, so I'm just, like, okay, that that plays into, like, the the ridiculousness of the whole thing. Um, But the fact that there was, like, oh, we're just going to use, like, munitions chips. (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna use war chips in our our toys because the guy just like went on to, it, it, for some reason the toy makers have been given access to like all of the the r&d projects of this yeah. company like it's so ridiculous it's delightful and it's something that i feel like if the movie has any kind of political thing to say it's just against like corporate greed like that's really as far as it goes well, even beyond that, I think it is criticizing like suburban life to a certain degree get, as well. Um, guess mostly with Phil Hartman. <laughs> oh, sure, man. I love Phil. Hartman. <laughs> what a gift he was. Yeah, every line in this movie he says was the, in the most like. <laughs> but come on, surely the toys aren't gonna do it. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay, honey. You know, I think World War Two was my favorite war. <laughs> <laughs> he was so great yeah no i i really like um the just the opening bit where he's he's trying to cut down the tree that's over right <laughs> over alan's family's house and his dad is is losing his mind he's like no yeah. i do not approve of this you cannot just cut down this beautiful tree here to make room for your stupid satellite dish um and they they just start walking away and phil hartman goes i i think the legal uh side of things is gonna cover me on this one and then he just immediately goes to cutting down more branches he was just a real gift yeah i also uh, dick miller is in this he's the 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 joe i think the truck driver who sells alan the toys Mm -hmm. he's like a uh joe dante stalwart like this guy has been all kinds of these like genre movies uh, he's just great. Yeah, just just a rock solid character actor. <laughs> and I liked Alan's mom. I really liked how she becomes kind of one of the like heroes towards the end, where she's where uh everyone starts panicking, and she's like, "Okay, you go fix this thing. You go do this." And in a very like measured mom way. And then she gets her tennis racket out, and she's like, "All right." And then she starts swatting the flaming tennis balls back. <laughs> 
And she hits one of them right into one of the Commando Elite's little cars and it blows up. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how do you... I really love the design work on all the toys. Um, I think they're all really, like, memorable. And I think they did a really good job of the Gorgonites look cool or cute and the Commandos look scary. Yeah. Like, Link has all this really, like, sharp pointiness to him. Brick Bazooka, like, has this really wide, like toothy joker grin but his teeth are uneven and he just looks like uh yeah he just he looks creepy like they all just look they look like scary human toy human looking toys yeah um and the gorgonites are just like oh look at that cool or cute monster <laughs> look at that eyeball walk around on three legs maybe i shouldn't admit this but i was definitely more interested in the soldier toys i mean that line both of us are very on brand i I think with our i do kind of think chip hazard like that toy is like just one of the coolest toy designs like when when (laughs) jay moore's just like here uh, presenting the commando elite and he has like the fancy little box that he unlocks to show dennis leary the toy i'm like that is the coolest thing (laughs) it is it's a good chip hazard's a great looking toy man i got I'm sure you got this too when they're in the toy shop and you see him putting the big plus big plastic boxes of the toys up on the shelves yeah. and it's like the plastic thing. God, I remember man, <laughs> I love being a kid. <laughs> the amount of like Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers or whatever used to open out of those things yeah. and you get so much just random plastic after it was great cutting your finger open on them. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I uh I, I think that all the designs look really good. I I I do I do wish in a way the Gorgons had gotten more like action set pieces, but at the same time I really appreciate that they save it until the very end. Because you do now you don't forget about them, but you kind of go, okay, this is the goal is we're gonna try to overload this EMP. We're gonna make an EMP happen. <laughs> and I didn't find it annoying in this movie because it was in 1998 and it was hilarious. Well also they never quite explain it. Yeah, they just, just like it'll overload. Stuff. They say it a lot, and they're like, a nuclear warhead will trigger an EMP, but they never really get into like the okay. Now we're gonna have the exposition dump as to what it is, right? Right. Because they assume no. everyone saw Goldeneye and, and listened to Judy Dench explain. And wasn't there another one? Wasn't uh, Living Daylights or View to a Kill? Didn't one of those? Or not View to a Kill. Uh, License to Kill. Didn't one of those have it? The Christopher Walken. Probably. <laughs> okay. I know that um, I, obviously the Matrix did it a year later. Sure, sure. But I just, I, I really like how during all of that, you're following the people, and then Archer's like, no, we must fight, but we lose. <laughs> and then they go out and they all do their special moves. Slam Fist says Sanctuary a lot, only because he's a hunchback. There's no other reason to do it, but he hits a That's guy. That's great. It's awesome. Insaniac is doing his like Tasmanian devil bit. Another thing that that uh, Transformers will will take from this movie, the the toys in this will seem to learn from using the computer, and that yeah. that is how the uh, yeah. the Transformers uh, develop their their uh, offensive stereotypes. There's just like <laughs> we learned it from the internet. <laughs> I really, I really liked that you have. When you talk about like the the programming and stuff, um, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, but I'm fine with it. <laughs> I I, I like uh, the the logic because because Robert Picardo like halfway through the movie the the toy makers go to him and he starts explaining like, 
oh, the X-1000 is a masterpiece. Any piece of technology you use it on will <laughs> amplify its abilities or whatever. And I'm like, right. okay, this is delightful. Doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> no, it's great. And that scene ends with him sneezing. <laughs> yeah, because they've got like full hazmat, hazmat suits because it's supposed to be like... A, I, that I didn't quite get, <laughs> and maybe I'm not supposed to, but it's like, are they, like, working on, like, pharmaceuticals or something? Like, why are they wearing hazmat suits? Yeah, I had that same thought, but I was like, nope, I'm in. Keep doing it. <laughs> I, uh, I really, but I really liked how, you know, the commandos thing is their, their program is a kill, but the Gorgons are programmed to learn. Like, I really like when Archer is, like, going through Encarta. Yeah, and he's like learning everything, and that that's a big part of the Gorgons is that they're like, no, we want to learn stuff. That's why we were brought to Earth is we want to learn. Kids, kids, I, I just look think up. That's a great look, bit. look up in Carta. You don't know what that is, but look up in Carta. <laughs> that's a thing people used to have to use to learn things. <laughs> probably did a few homework assignments off of that. Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just, I, I like I said, I, I like the designs, and I like how the the Gorgons are all very different from each other, but they but they still look like a set. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I like that they have a Troglacon is <laughs> a character who gets immediately killed and destroyed Yeah. and rebuilt as Freakenstein, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And one of his arms is doesn't even have an arm. It's just a club yeah. that goes up and down. He looks great. Like, I, I just, it's, I already recommended Gremlins 2 on this podcast and we should do it for a Christmas episode and Gremlins 1. But like, these guys really know how to design cool, memorable-looking characters. It's just so much fun. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, oh, Let's talk about Alan for a little bit. Yeah. Because I, I kind of feel like there's some missed opportunities with him as a character. I would agree. So the setup with him is is he's kind of our typical, like, suburban kid protagonist. Um. Mm -hmm who's kind of helping his dad support his, you know, he's got a, this local toy business, which once again feeds into the, uh, like, small business versus corporate yeah. giant. Um, mm -hmm. He has the same haircut that every boy in the 90s had. Right. Uh, Will Friedle in Boy Meets World, the Lawrence Brothers, just all of it. The, the Blue Power Ranger in Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. Yes, we will do okay. it at some point. Uh, Britain right now. <laughs> right now. Uh, <laughs> but... So so the movie plays it as like he's he's just kind of a nice kid who's just kind of caught up in this weird situation. But there's a whole element to his backstory where apparently he was a juvenile delinquent. Yes. And apparently like he used to like graffiti like locker rooms and he said he like um I think he said he flooded like the teacher's bathroom at his school and he's, apparently he's been kicked out of a couple of schools and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting of like, oh, that's not like a normal protagonist thing. Like right. normally you'd want to have like, oh, the, the sweet, naive kid who gets caught up in right. the whirlwind crazy adventure. And, and this like, no, no, no. He's he's supposed to be like a little more jaded and cynical. Um, but nothing in his behavior, like it's all handled through right. dialogue. There's not yes. a moment where it's like, oh, is he going to side with the, the, um, the commando elite because of, mm -hmm. of his uh, – delinquent you know behavior sure. there, 
there's not really any kind of natural way that it feeds into the plot aside from his parents not believing him. Yeah. But he's talking about toys coming alive, so they won't believe him anyway. Exactly. It, it does feel like maybe Joe Dante and, and the creative side said, you know, how do, I don't know how the movie got made and who pitched it or what, but it almost like they maybe wanted more of like a traditional like punk kind of outsider character. Yeah. And then maybe the studio went, you got to water him down. If we're going to sell this to kids and families, you got to make him. A, we can keep that in dialogue, but you got to got to make it a little more approachable because or, or maybe they're just like well but then do we have to give him this whole arc about like maybe i don't want to misbehave or maybe there's a make good trouble kind of arc or something yeah but they do kind of make him out to be like a ne'er do not like a ne'er-do-well but yeah a kid who's who's dealing with more stuff but then like his parents love each other and it's not like he's coping with divorce or death or something so it, it is kind of a thing that it's an odd bit of backstory to give to a kid who otherwise is just not trusted by his parents yeah Whereas if it had come from like, oh, I, you know, made a big mistake last, you know, in our old, in our old, uh, my old school, I like really goofed it up. And so that's why they're so hesitant to give me responsibility because I messed up once as opposed to like, oh, I had this pattern of behavior. Yeah. I, I will say there, there does appear to be something under the surface with how they handle his dad. Cause his dad has sure. anger issues. Yeah. Um, and they kind of play that up for comedy most of the time. But like, I, I don't know. There's there's a couple of moments where he starts to really freak out. I'm like, is this supposed to feed into Alan's backstory? Is it like mm -hmm. I'm not saying that like Alan was abused as a kid or anything, but like, is he used to that kind of behavior? So he that's why he acted out. Sure. I don't know. The, well, the, the movie doesn't yeah. really do anything with that, you know? Well, I think, yeah, because they, they play up the anger issues, not in, in a sense of, of it being a dangerous situation, but yeah. more of like, because his, his mom is always like, oh, what do we do? We breathe in, we breathe out. Almost like of a, honey, remember your cholesterol right. kind of a thing. Yeah. Less, less than of a like, oh no, he's going to that place. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like there were, there was something there. And, and like, you know, obviously it, it ends up being fairly straightforward of like, oh, he's just going to help the Gorgonites, you know take the commando elite and he ends up getting getting together with with uh christy at the end of the movie just because he's a nice guy and proves her wrong i guess i don't know well she well he saves her and and yeah and the boyfriend is just kind of pushed out of the movie kind of a tool, yeah. which doesn't make any sense like he would he is pushed down the stairs with flaming pants but like he would call the cops or something but uh, he even like leaves the bike yeah that was i guess that's again just a further proof that yeah this guy's nothing <laughs> I'm like, okay, that that doesn't, I don't know. There there were a couple of kind of pretty big plot holes at the end of the movie, and I'm like, sure. this is so much fun, I don't really care, but it's also a little distracting. That was one of them. Right, right. And then there's a bit towards the very end where Christy calls the police, and, like, they don't believe her. Uh -huh. um, but I feel like that should have happened, like, way earlier. Sure. Um, and you could have had that same exchange where it's like they don't believe them because they're trying to be honest and straightforward about it. And yeah. I also thought of the idea of going with Alan's backstory. Maybe he doesn't trust cops. Maybe he's had dealings with them that weren't pleasant. So he's sure. like, oh, I'm not going to deal with them. We're, the Gorgonites and I, we're going to handle this on our own. You know? Right. Do something with it. You know? <laughs> When I wondered too, at first I was like, oh, is it she couldn't call because the power had been cut, 
But then they went over to the place where the power hadn't been cut. Yeah, she so. expressly says, no, the power's on at my house. And then they're like, yeah. no, turn everything on. We need an EMP in here. <laughs> well, there's also an interesting bit where, where uh, they're talking on the phone and Alan's kind of flirting with her. And she's like, well, officially I'm seeing Brad or whatever. He goes, what about unofficially? And she's like, mm, I don't know. There is one guy. And I was like, what is this implying? <laughs> Christy, are you going to cheat on your boyfriend? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the weird thing. I, I don't know. It, that, that That whole thing is just a little... I don't know if it needs to be more ambiguous or less ambiguous. It's just very weird how that's kind of uh, laid out. Yeah. I don't know. I do really I like Kirsten like to, Dunst in this movie, though. I, I do, too. I like Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, just kind of in general. Um, but this was like, we probably talked about this during the Jumanji episode. Like, that's that, this, that, 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 that's the era of Kirsten Dunst that I know. Yeah. is Jumanji and this, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like how they, they have, like, she does feel like more of a, a human being. She doesn't just feel like a yes. trophy for Alan to win at the end. Like, I, I just like the little bits of personality where she's, like, she's sweet and nice enough to help him try and rebuild the store after, like, the Commando Elite destroys it. Um, Like, it's just kind of a surprising thing of, like, oh, you're not, like, the type of girl that I would expect to, to do that. But then also, right. like, she snaps at her brother because he's being annoying because little kids yeah. are annoying. And I'm like, OK, that's very realistic, too. I don't know. I, I it, like I said, I, I feel like there's some missed opportunities with doing more with the characterization. But it feels like Joe Dante is like he's inserting just little bits of like, OK, mm-hmm. these people are humans. They're going to act like humans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I did think it was funny when the little boy, the little brother is tied up and gagged and they put him in the closet and the Kirsten Dutz comes in and she like actively isn't looking in the closet <laughs> while she throws, I, I am not, repeat, not looking at the contents of the closet, <laughs> throws her jacket, it's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think that Alan is, is very cookie cutter movie or protagonist for a movie like this, which I'm fine with because I feel like, again, th- this movie has a lot of very cookie cutter things that are fine because it feels alive. There's a spark. There's something interesting to it. Yeah. And they pull it off. So therefore I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't feel like the entire movie is. Yeah. You get it. Just do, just do the ABC thing. Right. Go for it. Yeah. It doesn't feel cookie cutter to the point of like nausea. <laughs> I like when they're rebuilding brick bazooka after the, the tire, after the bike ride. And they're like, insert slot peg a into slot B. <laughs> like, all those kind of jokes. <laughs> it's just it's just delightful. Like I mentioned, the Nick Nitro's battery has run out, but his memory will go on and on and on. <laughs> Isn't there a bit where um, after they start recovering Brick Bazooka, uh, Chip's like looking and he sees Alan's bike and he's like looking through mm-hmm. binocos or whatever and he just goes, it's a small world after yes. all. I'm like, that is like the most terrifying thing. <laughs> It is also, it makes no sense to what's happening. <laughs> they just wanted to use that line in the There's, It has no reason to be in that scene, but it's great. Also, like, he comes out um, in front of an American flag puzzle, so it's like Patton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, there's just a lot of really, really neat touches. Um, I, 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 I got to circle back because I, I really like yeah. how the movie opens. I really like the... Yes. the um, David Cross and, and Jay Moore just like having to pitch their toy ideas to Dennis Leary. Um, and I just like, cause Dennis Leary does just does the swarmy businessman like so well, just, but yeah, I really like, 
him just like looking at the commercial because the whole thing is they and i don't know that, that that didn't really make sense to me either of like oh this is like a urgent like pitch meeting thing why did they have a fully developed toy commercial uh, they say it's a proof of concept well wait, it's, it's a little too far along that, for a proof of concept yeah but isn't that when they're like pitching it to the investors rather than to him because to him oh wait no jay moore does have a commercial yeah okay you're right you're right you're right Sorry, yeah because because um because david cross's character just has like some props like he's just got here are some drawings yeah. and some concept art um, but Jay Moore's got like the chip hazard model and he's got the full toy commercial, but the whole pitch of the commercial is chip punches his way out of the box, out of the toy box. And Dennis theory is like, wait, can they really do that? The thing where he punches his way <laughs> yeah. out of the box and they're like, um, no. And he's like, I'm sick of commercials lying to me. I wish they could just do the thing that they say they're going to do. And I'm like, that feels like very corporate boardroom thinking where it's like on the one hand yes okay that's an interesting yeah, that's thought a neat idea yeah and i actually appreciate him going i don't want commercials to lie that's one thing mm -hmm. but on the other yeah. hand it's like and now i will present these completely unrealistic ideas that i will then yeah. force upon you to implement <laughs> yeah that can't actually well it's like i've heard writers talk about this where they're like hey uh, insert more character stuff but trim it down by 30 minutes <laughs> And it's like, what do you want? What does that mean? Oh, it means um, <laughs> Justice League 2017. Anyways, <laughs> there it is. But yeah, it's such a weird, it's such a weird ask. But it's, it, I, I really like that scene too. And I like how Jay Moore is like trying to like suck up to him. He's like, oh yeah, kindred spirit. But it's totally, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Get away from me. Um, And I really like the, because they later have Chip punches away out of the box. Yes. In the, in the store. And... It, all that stuff, I, I remember this movie as a kid being kind of haunting to me. Not to, in the way that Jumanji was, but in the sense of like, it wasn't even necessarily that it was toys coming to life so much as it was, all of this was happening at a house. And it's like, oh, that's a nail gun. That's just like things you have around the house that are now weapons. Yeah, this might be one of the early instances that kind of inspired my whole, like my, my whole thing of like, I really like in action movies when the heroes get beat up because that means there's like consequences to the violence. Sure. And I actually like, sure. I, I feel empathy for them and I want them to succeed. Um, right. Like uh, uh, Kevin Dunn gets shot in the leg with nails. Yeah. And Alan gets shot multiple times in the leg. Yeah. With those little corn cobs. And, and when he's fighting with uh, Nick Nitro uh, to save Archer with the whole garbage disposal setup, like he yeah. gets cut on the hand. Like I remember that just being like yeah, a very. And, and they actually. Do you see blood? Yeah, yeah, it's like a very visceral, like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that's that feels like a real thing. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel just like a, a proper special effect or something, you know. Um, th this might be one of this. It could be one of the early, like, <laughs> it, it's almost like the genesis of my my interest in that as, as a tool that filmmakers can use in a movie. I, I completely and it doesn't doesn't he get stabbed in the finger with a when he's hanging on to the telephone pole? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chip has like a knife and he's just like stabbing him. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Well, I, I I have really loved in like zombie movies, like the first season or two of Walking Dead, when all right, we're now warriors out on in the wastelands. I have a different jacket and a, and a baseball bat. Like I like the idea of found items and what you have around you becoming your weaponry and your your arm your armor. Yeah. Um, I always found that really interesting and and very uh, uh, impactful, and I think this was is definitely 
that. Christy um, just, beating really up love. the Gwendies with a baton is great. <laughs> I also there's there are a few points in those fights where both her and Alan are when they're getting swarmed like the Compsignathuses, you yeah. know, by the Gwendy dolls. I'm like, I totally get it. And there's they like wrap that like, tie stuff around their their angles and pull. But when there's one where Alan is just like laying on the ground and Gwendy doll is on his chest, like threatening him, I'm like, Alan, you can beat her. <laughs> like you can just you can just she's one of them. You can just take her out of the chat. But okay, she's scared. Yeah. But like that when when they go into the Gwendy dolls and uh, the characters are like, whoa, fully posable. <laughs> but what I think is funny is all the Gwendy dolls are then uh, they have all of their their clothing removed and their ha- and their hair t- taken off. They're all just like bald with their heads in very different melting points. But they all have camo underwear. Yeah. I really like, I get why it is in the movie, but I like, I like that the manufacturer was like, this is the cowboy Gwendy with camo underwear. This is the bridal Gwendy with camo well, underwear. I, I love that all the commando of the commando elite. And I guess this is just the X 1000 chip at, at work. They all know <laughs> exactly how to bring the Gwendies to life. And they're able to right. build this ridiculous contraption in like five <laughs> minutes. To bring them to life. Yeah. Like how and how long does this night go for? <laughs> well, and it's also brilliant because they, they have them they put them up in the this thing where the there are these spaces around their heads that kind of electrocute them and it's a muffin tin. Yeah. <laughs> like I love that because it's it's creative on the part of the toys, but on the part of the movie makers. Like, well, what would be around a house? Oh, they've already established that she has all those like those glow bulbs that you can touch your fingers on and the the lights fall your fingers. So there's they're jury rigging all that stuff. Like it's so much fun. Yeah, it's it's nice. Like you were saying, it's like the the filmmaker is actually using the environment and like using props in the environment. It's not yeah. just like a sterile like room where it's just you know we got our t- characters talking. They maybe one of them stands up from a couch and does a little walking, and then that's it. Like they're actually like using yeah. stuff in their environment. And nor do they go into a whole thing like, oh, well, you know, my dad's a prepper, so he has a full artillery set downstairs. So then someone gets a machine gun like that. That would be a different kind of fun. But the way this movie is fun is it constantly reminds you these are just normal people. Yeah. Just human beings in a suburb. Yeah. It, it is nice that the furthest that it goes is that Alan's dad has like a bunch of tools because yeah. he has a toy shop. So presumably he would right. have like tools to repair toys. Um, yeah, and that like all the technology in Christie's house can be used to trigger the electric wave, right? Like, yeah, but that's it. Again, they don't have someone with like, oh, you mean that howitzer? <laughs> I just now, granted, I did recently watch Megan, and Megan does this, and I love it. So <laughs> don't get me wrong. I really liked when Alan tried calling the toy company and he got stuck <laughs> on the line with like the most obnoxious spokesperson with Sherry O'Terry from SNL. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I recognized her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, she's great. Um, but I really like the fact that she's like, or, or he goes, put me through to an automated voicemail. Like I'm not dealing with a real person right now. And I'm like how right. the tables have turned. AI <laughs> is coming for us all, baby. <laughs> it is very interesting to watch this movie now with all the talks as of right now, SAG-AFTRA and the WGA are still on strike. Yeah. One of the reasons for that being the rise of AI and the genuinely frightening, infuriating things being pitched um, regarding that. So it is a little interesting to watch that, watch this movie amidst all of that. Yeah. I, I, I was genuinely freaked out because I didn't remember that they actually said AI or EMP. 
So yeah. I, I watched the movie first and I messaged you and I was like, this movie's got everything. Because <laughs> I think I think David Cross says like, oh, virtual intelligence? No, artificial intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. Also, there's a great bit where they're like, well, who put mission tips and toys? And he goes, Abby Gizmo over here. And I was like, ah, I, it's from Gremlins. I do really like just, and it's something that could easily be cut out of the movie. But I really just like that Jay Moore like just steals David Cross's password. Yeah. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. It, like it doesn't matter, but it's like, it's a funny setup. Cause, cause David Cross is like, Oh, my, my name's or my password's gizmo. And the lady given the, the cards is like, I said it was secret. And she kind of like snaps <laughs> at him and walks away. Um, and then, they, yeah, then they, he ends up using it later. And he's like, Oh, who, put, who on earth would put military chips and toys? Yeah, that'd be Gizmo over here. Like I, that, that felt like just like a such a small touch to just like sprinkle in. And I'm like, I'm glad yeah. the movie did that. Oh, well, I like during that bit when they're pitching the investors. There's a guy in a chip, uh, not Chip Skylark. That's a fairly odd parents. Shout out to Tyler. I don't think that's um, an investor pitch. I think that's like a launch, like celebration. A launch, okay, a launch celebration. Yeah. Gotcha. But there's a guy walking around in a, a Chip Hazard like <laughs> yeah. costume because I think Jay Moore the, like all right go stand in the back and he stands there and uh, the the woman from earlier walks by dressed as a commando and then he turns ah. yeah <laughs> this is guy's dressed as Chip it's awesome yeah yeah it's just so dang <laughs> Gorgon <laughs> they just want to go find like Lake Ontario or something yeah I I wanted to ask how you felt about the ending because I think. On the one hand, I really like the cynical side of the ending where where Dennis Leary shows up and he's like, I'm just going to give everyone checks. And they're all like, you couldn't possibly have enough money to pay us off. And they're like, oh, apparently you do. Whoa. Um, And then uh, he's yelling at Dick Miller and he's like, hey, get the get the truck with our logo away from here before the the news news copter show up. Um, So you've got kind of that cynical stuff. And then he's like. Oh yeah, um, I'm gonna turn our this frown upside down. We're gonna sell this to like some some really war torn nation. They're gonna love these toys that they're gonna wreck an army with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that part of the ending is both distressing to as an adult. Like, I think as a kid, even when I got I got it, I was like, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. But now that I know enough about the world, I'm like, oh, God, people can be bought. <laughs> like, oh, man, like there's there is a nation that would use that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like all of that is very scary. But the the ending ending when they just ship the the Gorgons off to sail down the river and Insaniac to Riff. I was it, it it's not it is kind of a like, well, we got in the movie somehow. Right. But it's kind of OK because there was a novel published that tells the story of them because I had it as a kid. I say novel. It was a chapter book. Um, that is the story of them going on their next adventure to find Gorgon. Oh. Um, and I can't remember if they meet up with another kid or just kind of do stuff on their own, yeah. but I don't remember. I remember the cover, but I don't remember much about the actual book, but I, there is, there is, intr- there is an, uh, information out there. I, this is just waiting for, for a soft reboot type deal, right? It is, but I, you know what? I don't know if I would want it made today. Sure. Because I don't. Cause this movie couldn't be made today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was Joe Dante on? <laughs> but they don't. I don't trust a studio to give them the resources to make it with this kind of practical effect detail. Yeah. Like, um, I mentioned Dungeons and Dragons uh, a couple weeks ago, and how that used practical effects, and they look good. But 
it's definitely not up to par with what they were doing with the Ninja Turtles live action movies of the first two and what they were doing with this and with Gremlins 2 and everything. Yeah. And Never Ending Story because there were so many more people that, that knew how to do that. But also, that was just the way you did things. So studios would invest in that. They would give you the money to do those effects. Now I can so easily see a studio go, no, make just just do it. Just make it all digital. Make the commandos look like John Cena and he'll do mocap and then... <laughs> you know, just do that and have them make a TikTok at some point. Like, I feel like it would be the wrong kind of cynical now. Somebody did do a proof of concept recently. It was like a five minute, like little short film that's all digital, apparently. And it's it's like a more modern, like commando elite, like set of toys that are trying to attack, like a more modern version of the Gorgonites. And this is like takes place in a little mm. toy shop. Um, and it came out quite recently. I recommend everyone go look it up because it's pretty neat. Um, cool. But I'm almost imagining like third act plot twist. The the original Gorgonites show up and they're like, sure, we never sure. found Gorgon, but we did find <laughs> Burger King. So there you go. <laughs> and then Frank Ar- Archer's like, I said an uncool thing to a lady and now it's hard for me to find work <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, this is Todd Phillips next project after Folio Ado, right? <laughs> Can, can we, do you think if we pitched this to him, he would say yes? <laughs> no, Martin Scorsese would would swoop in. I saw what you did with Joker. I'm doing this one. <laughs> that would be so good. We'll call it Commandos of the Flower Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know how I feel about that ending because it, it feels a little yeah. too sweet and cheesy. It, it, and especially right at, like right on the heels of the cynical ending. Yeah. Because the cynical ending like fits in with the Joe Dante mentality, I think, with some of his movies, where it's like, we're not trying to depress you, but also I'm not going to like let this stuff off the hook. Yeah. I almost feel like a more realistic ending would just be like, okay, so Christy and Alan are now an item, and the yeah. Gorgonites just live with Alan now. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that would just be like a bit more... I don't know, it's probably a more obvious ending, but, like, I, I don't know, it's just, there's something about it that's just, like, it doesn't quite hit the mark on what it should yeah. be. No, I, I, yeah. I know what you mean, but I also don't know exactly, like, what I would do instead. Yeah. But I know what you mean, it's like, yeah, not quite there. Still, you're, I'm, I'm good with you, but, yeah, there's something, yeah. Not quite five stars. Yeah. Um, I, I do also like the bit where Dennis Theory goes, Oh, how much did we sell these for retail? And they're like, uh, $79.99 or whatever. And he's like, Bump that up times 10. <laughs> yes, yeah, $700. Yeah. It's like, We're going we're gonna to sell these to armies. This is going to be great. <laughs> I did think it was, I'm sure this is also like a, a licensing thing, but like, they don't really talk about what, uh, what toys his dad does sell i did also get very stressed of like are they gonna when, when alan comes home he's like yeah i put the two quarters and three pennies away it's all uh, all the money we made and i was like oh god how do they afford this house <laughs> what does his mom do it does <laughs> have kind of the the thing I, I immediately think of is friends where it's like oh yeah they yeah, could yeah. not possibly afford those apartments it's just like it's it's a just go with the yeah. premise, please. Um, right, right, It's right. just like, oh, it's suburban household. You recognize that iconography. Just go with it. 
even yeah, if the exactly. situation. I mean, we don't know what his mom did. Maybe, maybe that's true. Uh, we don't know she what she's currently doing. Friend. Maybe she's like in real estate, and we don't even know. Now, now, Alex, our listeners may not know this, but you play tennis. Do you have any notes for Al- for uh, uh, Alan's mom about like her form? Uh, is there anything maybe that you can learn from her? Like, what what is your sort of tennis take? Which is our new segment on the show. I I like her energy. I need more of her energy because she gets excited when she like she 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 got a good hit in and she like wrecked the the commando elite. She was like, "Woo!" I'm yeah. like, "I need I I should do that more. I don't do that enough. I, I'm very hard I like on myself." The idea. <laughs> I like the idea of you scoring and going, "Woo!" <laughs> I do a little jump in the air. Right. Freeze frame. It's like soccer players rip off their clothes. It's like how no, actually, it's like how a. Uh, Football players do like a touchdown dance. Your thing is you imitate the mom from Small Soldiers. <laughs> and whenever whenever I lose a point, I just yell, Phil Fimple! <laughs> <laughs> that is Phil Hartman's character for anyone who is not aware. Yes. <laughs> Take that, Agassi. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, this movie is a lot of fun. I highly recommend it to everyone. I really do too. I, I think it has a special flavor for those of us who grew up with it and grew up in the nineties and can remember when movies looked like this and the world looked like, and like toys were like this, that I had the appeal of toy store where you could literally buy chip hazard and Archer. Like yeah. that's it, it definitely get to it for that. But I think even by now, like if you're getting a little tired of digital effects now and the way that they're being handled and stuff, this is a really nice antidote to that. Because like, Ocula is so ju- cool. Ocula is awesome. <laughs> I love Ocula. Just the just uh, the practical effect of Ocula being stuck into the wall yeah. when they shoot the uh, the hostage tape across mm-hmm. houses. I'm like, that is genuinely terrifying. And and Alan has yeah. to grab him and pull the thing out. Like that's yeah. Yep. Oh no, it's all of them look terrific. Um, it just I I feel like it's just such an antidote for cgi fatigue because the cgi looks great and the the practical effects are great yeah and it's fun and it's <laughs> funny and um the the opening like title is really cool and the the music is neat there's uh jerry goldsmith did the music the the, the commando like theme or yeah. whatever they do it's awesome yes <laughs> it's so good yeah. No, it has a genuinely strong score, which yeah. for this type of movie, it feels like that's something that could have just been phoned in. But they got Jerry Goldsmith. It's got the like sweeping, the, the sweeping, tinkly score of a 90s kids movie. Yeah. I like to imagine that Jerry Goldsmith did this and then like immediately went to work on The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Just because, you know, we did those movies. Um, well, we're, we're, do- we're not done with them yet, <laughs> or they're not done with us yet uh sure sure let's yeah that that's the line we're sticking with for right now i'm, I'm being held at gunpoint that's that's what that, that's the line um <laughs> anyways uh, <laughs> um i did want to mention because I, I did check in because I, I was curious about that video game yeah apparently the whole marketing blitz for small soldiers was we're gonna treat this like it's an actual like toy line like in like they're treating it almost like how it's treated in universe so the to- the game, excuse me, is it's the Gorgonites fighting the the Commando Elite in like okay. a, a sci-fi world. 
Let me. I might. I might have played this. It, it's it's not them fighting in like Alan's house or something. It's like no, no, no. The fictional place where their conflict right. is set. That is what it's about. Which I find really interesting. I I, I actually kind of like that. It's a, like just a very straightforward. Like no, this is like the pitch of what the toys are supposed to be. I think I actually did play this. This looks. This archer looks really familiar. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's just really neat. I, I, I looking at this from like j- just the marketing kind of angle to it um, is is kind of fascinating to me. Um, yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Do you want to go ahead and grade it? Do we know what we're? Yeah, we can go ahead and grade it. <laughs> <laughs> you go first. I think I'm just going to go A minus. I I really like it. Um I could even get up be convinced to get up to A, flat A, but um and so much of this may come from nostalgia, but I also think there's a lot of just really good stuff here. It's just genuinely entertaining. It's not too long. Um yeah, it's just a good throwback time at the movies for me. Yeah. I don't think I can go quite that high as mm-hmm. much as I've been praising the movie. Um <laughs> I'm going to go B plus. I'm going to go D plus <laughs> F minus. It sucked. Um, no B plus. I, I think if, if they, if they beefed up Alan's characterization a little bit sure, more and actually yeah. kind of followed that through and maybe stuck the landing just a tad bit more with the ending then I could easily sure. see this in the A range, but it is, yeah. it is so much fun. Like this was not a chore to watch at all. The, the second, no, 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 cause no. you and I were trying to figure out like, do we want to like do like a, a double feature or like knock out a duology or you know something maybe tyler's yeah, not yeah. interested in maybe we can knock something out real quick and we were like no let's just try and think of something else and we were just like small soldiers it's around yeah. you know kind of going along with like barbie and like we might be doing gi joe mm-hmm. soon like it all just kind of synced up and made sense and it's like oh we yep. get to watch a movie that we like well, and because I, I watched some of this, I, I went into work a little bit later that day. And I was like, you know what? I'll knock out some of small soldiers before I go to work. And I was like, I'm finishing this tonight. This is so much fun. <laughs> and I've talked a lot on this podcast about how I tend to watch movies in pieces. But this one, I technically did in two. But I was like, yeah, this is just such a good time. Like, this is, I'm totally happy spending my night doing this. What a good day. Yeah. Um, I did also want to mention, because um, I forgot to point this out. So the movie has four credited writers, but two of them are Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. Yes, 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 yes. Um, who have shown up a number of times on the podcast because they were um, the main writers on at least the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, but they also wrote uh, The Mask of Zorro, which is a wonderful film that I would like to do at some point. Um, oh, that's a duology, isn't it? Yeah, we could throw in some of the other Zorro movies if we felt like it. We don't have to, but <laughs> um, but yeah, they've got they've got a, like a number of different credits. They'll they'll just show up on random things. Do here, I'm trying to pull up one of their. Yeah, they've got writing credits on Shrek and Road to El Dorado, yeah, and Aladdin. Yeah. The new one, right, or the old? The one? old one. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. 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 And they also wrote The Lone Ranger, which I will watch at some <laughs> point because I hate myself. It was de- it was destined. <laughs> it was destined. <laughs> um, but yeah, Small Soldiers. Hard disagree with everyone on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's just a good, good time. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of good, good times, uh, I think you had a good, good time. Would you like to do your recommendation? Sure. I uh, went to the theater 
Remember those? <laughs> what? Uh, you mean church? <laughs> according to Denis Villeneuve? In a way. Uh, <laughs> I saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, it's probably the best movie I've seen so far this year. Oh, wow. Really? Hard to say. There's a there's a couple of kind of like key criticisms I have for it. Um, uh-huh. the the whole part one thing. I don't. It doesn't bother me quite as much as it did with a, across the Spider Verse. Uh-huh. Um, mostly because it's very upfront about it, but it also feels like more of a complete story. It feels like gotcha. it just kind of ends at a natural, you know, pause in 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 the plot. Um, I absolutely was like, I need more. I need more now. Um. It's like two hours and 45 minutes, and it feels half that length. It's very impressive. Um, All the action sequences, it's just like, I don't know how they did that. Oh, I don't know how they did that one either. Oh, I don't (laughs) know how they did that. Like, it just just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And there were moments where I was like, oh, okay, I I get the action scene. I get what they're doing. And then it would just escalate. And I'm like, oh, oh, never mind. I was not prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The cast is all fantastic. Tom Cruise is a crazy man. Everyone knows it. And he's just being his crazy old self. And I love it. <laughs> uh, Haley Atwell shows up. She's kind of the newcomer. She gets quite a bit to yeah, do. She's and she's she's a good bit of fun. Um, I won't get into a lot of the details. Um, just because obviously we'll we'll do this as an episode um, coming soon to a phone near you. Um, an RSS feed near you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved it. A lot. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be interesting rewatching it to see if my criticisms still hold. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad I'm glad to hear. Yeah, I, I have seen the first two Mission Impossible's a billion years ago, so I might try to do a little bit of catching up before we we get to that one. I'm not going to watch all of them, I don't think. Um, but also, who knows when we'll get to that movie? So. I would say if you were going to watch any of them, I would say probably the first one with De Palma. Um, just because a lot of this one, even just like filmmaking sensibilities, it feels like a lot of it is hearkening back to the original. Oh, wow. um, okay. And then Fallout, uh, the newest one, just sure. to like really get a feel for kind of where the franchise has gone and just how crazy yeah. it is. Um, it's big. So much of it is practical circling back on our, our praise for small soldiers like i'm sure there's cg up the wazoo sure. um there were some green screen elements that i noticed um but for the most part like tom cruise running like a madman uh yeah. car chases there's a whole there's a whole car chase that happens like in the first like hour and i was just like this is like the coolest thing i've ever seen <laughs> it's awesome great <laughs> well good i'm glad i shouldn't hype it up too much (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's been a it's been a a year of high highs and low lows for blockbuster movies and this fortunately is one of the high highs so far well i'm well i'm very glad to hear that yeah i um my recommendation uh i'm gonna i'm gonna pull a tyler because tyler isn't here and i'm gonna recommend a graphic novel quantum of solace quantum of solace the graphic novel oh um, that's neat i need by, to read that <laughs> yep it's by mo williams <laughs> you said it said it's by alex he wrote it <laughs> he's that desperate no. for it folks <laughs> i'm going to recommend a book uh 
called Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Oh, okay. Um it's really wonderful. I need to I want to make sure I get all the um all, all the artists credited properly because we've got let's see here. Do do do. Um it was written by Tom King uh okay. who is a very revered writer and the art and I might get these names wrong. I apologize. Uh the art and the penciling is by Bilquis Evely. And then uh, Matt Lopez is the colorist. And uh, this is the first Tom King book I've read. It will definitely not be the last. Um, it is a beautiful, beautiful book. It looks extraordinary. The art is curling and emotional and explosive and really heroic. Um, at times, there are some just some great like splash pages and one, one panels of Supergirl and, and everything. But it's just so gorgeously written like is like alan moore was also just a very he was good at writing sentences and or he is good at writing sentences and tom king is very good at writing sentences this is uh, the premise is that this uh young alien woman named ruthie um her father is killed randomly by this sort of vagrant and she wants revenge and so in her while she's looking for someone to help her get revenge on this guy she runs into supergirl who has flown off world to celebrate her 21st birthday and then kind of gets some stuff happens and she gets wrapped up in Ruthie's adventure. And then it becomes this kind of road trip. Um, it's an eight issue. Like I got it in one volume. Like it's, it's like a, a one and done kind of deal. And it's a really, it's a more mature and darker story than I was expecting. My other favorite Supergirl book is Supergirl being super by Mariko Tamaki and Joelle Jones, which is an origin story and a little more light. But this is like Supergirl contending with really dark truths about the universe and about cruelty um, and about Ruthie learning about those things as well. But it, it does the, the thing I like in when you take a character like Supergirl or Superman, this very moral, positive character, and they want to make the story dark. They don't make that character darker. They put them in situations that are having to contend with the darkness of others and where their kindness or patience or decency is not even necessarily put to the test, but just juxtaposed with that evil and just like, for want of a word, human, uh, there aren't really humans in the book, but cruelty that, that exists. Um, I really can't recommend it enough. I found it very moving. And I think it does a really nice job of observing the Supergirl character without like reinventing her. It, ta it has some stuff in there about her backstory the explosion or the detonation of Krypton, destruction of Krypton, that I don't know how much of that is like quote unquote canon and how much of it Tom King just kind of decided for the purpose of this book. But it works really well. And like I said, it, I think the book is just this really great observation on Supergirl as a character, um, as well as a great presentation of her as a character. It is funny. Supergirl's funny. Um, she's not like bubblegum pop, but she is not dark and cynical and brooding. She is... Oh, it's a tremendous version of her and it's just a book that I really can't recommend enough it's I think obviously you know the better you know the character probably the better it's going to work on you but even if you don't I would say give it a shot um so yeah totally get out there and read by Tom King Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is that supposed to be one of the big um stories that's inspiring the Supergirl movie I think that Gunn has cited it as a as a source. Yeah, okay. yeah. 
I don't know exactly how, but... Gotcha. Because I know when he was kind of doing his first big presentation of here's all the upcoming projects, he was kind of throwing in, like, here are some of the stories that are inspiring these. And then, like, right. all of those stories were, like, immediately sold out because everyone was just clamoring to, to get them. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I've read a little bit of Tom King because I've read... Uh, kind of the first few um arcs of his batman run um yeah people really love that uh, my understanding is they like it up to a certain point and then it kind of falls apart oh, interesting gotcha <laughs> yeah he wrote um mist like, strange adventures i think is supposed to be really incredible mr miracle yeah like he has several that are that some of my coworkers have just like really sung their praises to me yeah. that i want to check out it's like how i i think Grant Morrison wrote Animal Man. <laughs> it's supposed to be brilliant. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that character. Let's go. I can't wait for one of these days. Like, I'm just going to get totally absorbed by just some random thing. Like, guys, I've read every issue of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> My life even though is changed. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it would do that. I Oh, I, I like that movie more than I should. <laughs> we'll do it for the podcast. It's Sean Connery walking around, making fun of everyone, shooting guns. It's fine. Ah, come on. Dylan Minnette's in it. Um, <laughs> Shane West, but yes. <laughs> Shane West. I mean. I'm <laughs> I'm um, <laughs> uh, Well, yeah, guys. Thanks for listening. Um. We are going to be back next week. Tyler will be back. We're going to be picking it up, doing Scorpion King. We'll, we'll all be together for it. That's what matters. I, I'm I'm happy that Tyler will be back. Me too. But, but I'm also not happy that he'll be back by virtue of we have to watch Scorpion King. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'll have uh, accrued some memes from abroad to share with us. Uh, memes from across state lines. <laughs> Contraband memes. <laughs> memes you had to pay a toll for it's just like getting like illegal fireworks it's like exactly it's such a stupid <laughs> innocuous thing to be illegal uh yeah um but but like like yes. like a good hot meme it can burn the house down <laughs> exactly and you can't lose a finger <laughs> um from clicking so fast uh and if you'd like to hear those uh <laughs> sultry sultry um scintillating memes uh you can find us online at here come the sequels at blogspot.com you can email us including memes at here come the sequels at gmail.com or hctc here come the sequels at gmail.com i believe it's hctc i can't talk hct sequels at I, gmail.com. I, whatever you can tweet it no you can tweet at us at hct sequels can i just say melvin do and just like hand wave it melvin do is there and you can find us on all the pod places tyler i'm sorry i did it wrong but now you know no one can take your crown you know it would be great if tyler just like when he's he's editing this he just sneaks in a little just like a suddenly the audio breaks because he doesn't have his microphone with him and it's all crackly with static and he's like, all right, I'm going to do this right. And then he just says all the information. <laughs> Actually, yeah, Tyler, if if you want to just break in but and the, replace all that with your stuff, but then, awesome. But then, like, I, I feel like there's a good chance, like, he would trip it up as well, and then he'd just keep <laughs> it in. 
and just be like, no, we're all yeah. we're all burning tonight. <laughs> and if you want to write us up a theme song real quick, uh, that would be great. Sequel rhymes with prequel, um, rhymes with equal. So there's a there's a go. Take there you go. Take take that. Take that and run with it, kid. Can can we change um, the the logo for the podcast? The the little thumbnail. Can we change the logo? And, and, you know, can we have it be like the small soldiers poster, but it's it's our faces superimposed it's on the our characters. face, and we're and and it's us. On one side, facing off against Hollywood. On the other side, <laughs> it's us facing off against David Zaslav. <laughs> Let's do it. It's 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 Zaslav and Bob Iger. Yeah, yeah, and Ryan Murphy. <laughs> but that's personal. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm, I, I, as long as I get a T-shirt on on this this thumbnail, which clearly you you'll be able to read, it won't be too small. It'll, it'll, <laughs> I'll just have like a white t-shirt with red font and it says, don't you mean Melvin do that? Is, <laughs> that's all I want. You know, I think what I'm getting at, I don't care about theme music. I don't care about a thumbnail. I just want a t-shirt. <laughs> t-shirt that says Melvin. <laughs> what does hello my name is? Fails <laughs> for sure. Uh, and I just want AI to not exist. Um. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention that about Mission Impossible. AI, scary stuff. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, next week is Scorpion King. I've been Alex. I've been Britain. Uh, somewhere out there is Tyler. And somewhere out there you are having a good night. In Gorgon?